A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Ethan Suplee. Welcome to American Glutton. Outside of acting, my two favorite things to do are diet and eat. I have a very complicated relationship with food, and on this podcast, we're going to talk about all of it. Food as entertainment. Food as sport. Food as fuel. I'll talk to experts and the average person, just like you and me. My guest today is Bart Kwan. Bart is a former Marine, a comedian, the founder of Barbell Brigade, and Just Kidding Films. You can find Bart on YouTube, his channels Just Kidding News and Bart and Geo, and on Instagram, at Bart Kwan. Bart Kwan, welcome yes. to American Glutton Podcast. Awesome. I want to say, first and foremost, your recipes that you post on Instagram are so meaningful to me. Really? There's one you posted where it was rice, boiled cabbage, beef, and ponzu. Yeah. I eat that three times a week. Oh, at, really? At, at least three times a week. Isn't it so easy to make? It's easy to make. It's incredible. It travels well. Yeah. It's low fat. It's yeah. medium carb, high protein. It's a fantastic thing. So thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah. And the pokey, you make the pokey, which is incredible too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. How I actually came uh, to that recipe was um, I love shabu shabu. It's one of my favorite things in the world. And, you know, like you dip the meat in the hot water and you eat it. And then like the ponzu starts to get watery and you have like the rice. And towards the end of the meal where everything's all mashed up together, that's almost like my favorite part. Yeah. So I was like, one day I was like, why don't I just skip the whole process and just, and just make, make that. that thing? Yeah. And I make that and I'm always trying to make a balanced meal for my kid because he's two. And I want to get him some like healthy fats, some protein, some carbs, some veggies. And he loves it too. So it's yeah. just so easy to make. I... I didn't even realize, uh, like, ponzu sauce, to me, when I first saw that recipe, it was, like, only in a restaurant. That's the only place I'd had mm. ponzu. And then I had even tried to make stuff that tasted like ponzu, and I would experiment with, like, rice vinegar and fish sauce and soy sauce, and I never got it right. And now we have—I think we go—we like the lime-flavored ponzu the most, but yeah. we have— 
20 bottles of that in our house because <laughs> That's awesome. me and my kids love it so much. And yeah. it's low calorie. It's not, it's not like pouring barbecue sauce on something. Yeah, it's one know? of my favorite sauces. Yeah. And it's then you'll, so you'll find our favorite brand. I forgot the name of the brand, but mine, it's like this, it's like a white and yellow label. Mm-hmm. And it's like some Japanese, maybe like Aji, Pond or something. It's like some Japanese brand. It's really, really good. Yeah, I got to find that one. Yeah, I love it. So thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. And you have an incredible gym that I've been to. Thank you. Barbell Brigade. Are you guys open? Yeah, we're open now. Okay, awesome. How did you even find out about us? Um, The RP dudes, Mike. Oh, yeah. And Charlton and uh, Jared Feather. I went and worked out with them there. Oh, cool. Yeah. And then uh, this was all pre- quarantine but there was a period of time where my gym wasn't closed but it was getting like some days people just didn't show up to open it for whatever reason and i would skate down and work out at barbell brigade because it's not far from me yeah and it's an incredible gym thank you so much yeah when when did that start it started um in 2013 that's when we first opened and that location was in monterey park okay and it's a crazy story because um i was just like a like meathead, I love training like my whole life. And I was just training at a 24 hour fitness. And then um, I was doing MMA for a while and then I would get hurt. And then, so you can't really, like when you get hurt in like combat sports, you're hurt in that gym and you also can't squat because right. your knees are banged up. So at that point, I'm like, and this is during MMA when everyone was rough, super like alpha, like dominant, like who cares about technique? I'm gonna wreck that guy every sparring session. Yeah. And it's not really like the, Let's come up together type of like culture that they have now. So I would get wrecked all the time and I couldn't really lift weights. So I kind of had to pick one or the other. And I picked just lifting weights because I could still stay fit. And um, I started getting that competitive feeling again. And I'm like, man, I wonder if there's like a lifting competition to see how strong you are compared to other people. Because I'm like, when I'm lifting in here, sometimes I look like I'm the strongest guy here. So I Googled it and this thing called powerlifting came up. I didn't even know what it was. Right. And then I was mainly benching and deadlifting in terms of those two movements. I never really squat that much. And then I would see that the competition said you also have to squat. Right. And I'm like, oh shit, I better start squatting. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so I started squatting, benching, deadlifting for maybe two months. I signed up for it. I competed and I fell in love with it. And I couldn't find a powerlifting gym in LA. So in the beginning, um, we have our studio where we shoot Just Kidding News at. I was talking to my wife and a couple friends. I'm like, what if I just buy like one of those big containers and just load it up with weights? And then when we want to, we bring it out, we lift and we put it back away. And overnight, like 20 friends were like, well, I'll chip in. I'm like, oh shit, if I can get 20 people like overnight, could I get a hundred people to start the base membership? And then, so we did this little crowdfund thing on our website, two weeks, we hit a hundred members. And then, so we opened in 2013. That's insane. That's so cool because your gym has everything that I would go like, if if I was going to make a gym, what would I need? And it's got everything. It just like, I'm, I, I don't want to crap on people, but like 24 hour fitness, you know, I don't need 300 treadmills yeah, yeah. in the gym I go to. That's not, I'm not going to the gym for the treadmill. And, uh, and like, 
it just has that it has that feeling it has the feeling and this is also something we don't have in LA of power lifters like yeah. there's just there's not a big power lifter scene out here from yeah, it's, and i've been to every i mean i've been to a lot of gyms it's not really a thing it's a new thing in LA like yeah. if you go to texas they have powerlifting teams in high school right so it's like really part of like uh just the whole high school pe curriculum people understand what that is like ronnie coleman was a powerlifter before he was a bodybuilder Powerlifting is a brand new thing here on the West Coast. Yeah, that's odd, isn't it? I feel yeah. like we we didn't we didn't have uh, powerlifting. We didn't have wrestling. Like I don't think oh, yeah. high school wrestling is really a thing out Are here. Are you from the West Coast? I'm from here. Yeah. LA. Oh, cool. Yeah, but we don't. I I feel like we miss out on those sports which I am more interested in. Like yeah. I'm oddly interested in MMA. Yeah. Like. Uh, collegiate style wrestling yeah. weightlifting and then randomly cycling like i like <laughs> riding bicycles did you wrestle uh in high school no i wasn't i wasn't i was a i watched cartoons and played video games <laughs> That's in awesome. high school that was my exercise. so so i wrestled in high school were you here yeah yeah, yeah. okay so i born and raised in la I wrestled in high school just cuz like i felt like it was the closest thing to fighting so i always wanted like some fight combat stuff and you would hear all these legends coming out of oklahoma iowa Idaho, and I'm like, damn, how come our system sucks ass? And once you see people start going to the states and they go to nationals and they're just getting smashed, I'm like, man, this is crazy. And uh, my buddy has a theory on it, and he goes, places with shitty weather probably got really good indoor sports. Yeah. So I think that's like wrestling or powerlifting. Right. You know, for us, we have California, there's like football, basketball. Yeah. Which we excel at. Our 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 college, like USC, has a good football team, right? For yeah. College. Yeah. I mean, I don't actually know because I don't watch football. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like, Same. I, that's what I hear. I hear yeah. we have good outdoor sports. Yeah. Um. Yeah, man. L.A. Uh, we do have good. We have good cycling. You can you can ride a bicycle pretty much year round here. Yeah, like going up and down, um, like Santa Monica, Venice, yeah. Manhattan Beach. There's that whole like uh, boardwalk beach yeah. thing. You can you can cruise up that any any day of the year practically when it's cold, but it doesn't rain a lot. Yeah, yeah. Do you hit the trails, or it's more more like a road bike? More more a road bike, which I don't do anymore because I'm terrified of cardio right now. <laughs> Why are you terrified of cardio? Because I just I want to hold on to every last gram of muscle I have. Oh, okay. And I want to see every vein in my abdomen just surrounded, you know, wrapped around the muscles. Yeah. So I'm like off cardio, which is another thing I want to talk to you about. You. Are a power lifter. I see yeah. you squat. You squat heavy stuff. You're super into weights, but you also are. A, you also run marathons. So that was a. Um, I don't run marathons. I ran one marathon. Okay, but I mean, <laughs> you ran a marathon. That's yeah. insane. Yeah, that's so a lot. I think that was one thing I really wanted to uh, prove to myself. So, like growing up, um, I've always had asthma, and so I never really played any sport that required a lot of cardio. So I, I tried out for water polo and I think my first water polo game in junior high, I'm like, I'm done with this. Cause I was a good swimmer. I'm like, I'm gonna stick to like 50 freestyle. You just got to go back and forth and that's it. Right. You know, like playing a full on game, like my, my lungs just couldn't take it. And I think because that, because of that, I also grad, uh, gravitated towards powerlifting cause you're just lifting the weights once. Yeah. And then, um, I think like last year I was just thinking about, all the things that I had my own mental barrier set me back on. 
And I'm like, why do I let myself do that? And so I kind of wanted to just pick something really difficult and work at it. I don't have to win the marathon, but I'm like, I want to prove to myself that I can still do it. So I hired a marathon coach. I didn't want to just go in and wing it. And we slowly built it up. It started off with like three mile runs, like twice a week, then three times a week. Then it was four mile runs. It would slowly build up to seven. And then I remember like halfway through the training, you have to do a half marathon. And when I completed the 13 miles just locally, I ran like literally across like three cities. I'm like, oh shit, I think I can do this. Right. And then so like you're already like halfway believing in yourself. And I'm like, I got to finish this no matter what. Yeah. Was it? insanely hard when you did the 26 or was it did you build up so consistently that when you got there it wasn't it wasn't anything insane um it's actually so it was difficult because you also have to balance life yeah so every single week it would increase from 13 then it went back down to like seven nine it builds back up and then i think that the the longest run before the 26 was like around a 20 21 miler but also during that time i went to a business seminar that was um, out of town. So I couldn't really train because it was really intensive. Like you wake up at 7 a.m. and then you finish at like 12. Then you're balancing business and having a kid. So my running training was like on and off. Right. Meanwhile, I'm still trying to balance being a powerlifter. Like I'm not trying to completely give away squatting. Like when I hired my coach, my coach saw what my, uh, I was like, is it possible to balance powerlifting and also marathon running? And she was like, can I see your powerlifting program? And I sent that to her and she was like, you're hitting legs three times a week? <laughs> She's like, uh, you're going to have to cut all that out. And then I'm like, no, she knows. She just she only runs marathons. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, nah, I'm still going to squat at least once a week no matter what. Um, but I, I, you start feeling it once the numbers start going high. Because yeah. you just need the like 48, 72 hours for your legs to recover. But then if you hit the squat, then it's almost like resetting it. Right. So the actual marathon, it was pretty tough the day of because my legs cramped like three or four different times. But for me, I'm like, I'm, I'm going to finish no matter what. And what do you do about that? You just get some sugar in you and it chills it out or drink and hydrate? How do you handle a cramp? Um, so the they're like passing out these electrolyte drinks and water. I'm constantly taking them. Like any, anybody that's passing me something, I'm taking them. And then you're just like stretching. Yeah. And then you kind of just have to – and you find ways to kind of like run around the injury and the pain. So you're like, oh, I'm not cramping like this. So you just kind of hobble like this for a mile. Oh, my God. And then you hobble like that for a mile. Yeah. So I got to a place with cardio in 2012 where – or maybe it was 2011, sometime back then, where I could ride my bike 120, 130 miles. Oh, wow. And be fine. And my cardio – and like I'm up mountains all day long, totally fine. What about your crotch? Doesn't your crotch feel smashed? It kind of gets like just you build up like a callus in your taint. And, oh. and but you, you also have like on like practically a diaper where you're wearing skin tight pants with a with a pad in oh. there. And you you kind of grease it up with stuff called butt butter. So like you're not That's getting what it's sores. really called? Yeah. Literally <laughs> That's called awesome. butt butter. Yeah. So you're all so you're protected there. But even with cardio at that level, I went to uh, run – what's three miles? Is a 5K. A 5K. Yeah. So I went to run a 5K, like a Livestrong 5K in Austin in the middle of this, which was a much shorter cardio day than I was used to. And I was destroyed. 
like my legs were destroyed just from running three miles. Like and the I, impact maybe? Yeah. And I think it's because I was so heavy as a kid that like I just put a lot of tension on my knees and my ankles and stuff like that. So riding a bike, um, like the cardio is there or was there. And I could use my legs for a long period of time, but the impact destroyed me. So I kind of gave up on the idea of ever running. And anytime I see anybody running a marathon or training tour, I'm so impressed because it's like this seems like this impossible thing. Yeah, that's one thing that I'm like really pissed off at whoever created us. The cardio doesn't really adapt. Right. Like my cardio got really good uh, from all the running. And then I'm like, okay, I'm going to revisit a jiu-jitsu class. And I was getting smoked. And yeah. I'm like, what? Because jiu-jitsu cardio, it's like different now. You know, there's like, you're gripping onto something for like 60 seconds at a time and you're letting go. And then you get good at jiu-jitsu and you're like, I should be able to be good on the bike. And you go on the bike and you're like, <laughs> why does four miles feel just as bad as running? Yeah. It's crazy. And then you go in the water. Yeah. Like the triathletes, that's so insane. They have to insane. keep practicing all three of them. Yeah. And then they're, they're like, I, I just think about like ocean swims oh my goodness to me seem insane like and i'll i'll jump off a boat and swim around like i'm not scared of sharks but like just every time in los angeles that i see dudes like out on the horizon just swimming across i'm like that's that feels crazy have you ever uh like swam in the ocean kind of long distance before no so you're you're trying to swim in a straight line but there's currents that's like pushing you right and sometimes it gets to a point where like you just put your head down and you do the water equivalent of like, I'm just going to muscle through this. And you look up finally after maybe like three minutes and you're way off course. Yeah. And you got to waste all that energy going back. It's, it's nuts. It's nuts. Yeah. yeah. I, th- I, I do, I do think like the, the guys who do buds and, and the yeah. seal training, I just think that's the, the, you know, you can look at all the types of exercise there are, but that is the most extreme. Like, those dudes are machines if yeah. you can get through that. Yeah, they call it, like, drown-proofing. Yeah. Those guys are so nuts. You're doing ocean swims and 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 push-ups, pull-ups. Like, it's just exercising for weeks on end, like, to the point where normal people die and yeah. these people make it through. It's it's I, I, I really admire people who can do that. Yeah, the reason why they train in that shore break area— where like the waves are crashing because it's imagine doing like your calisthenics sit-ups push-ups burpees whatever but now every like 10 seconds a, a rush a rush of waves will go over your mouth so it's almost like doing push-ups but someone's like covering your your mouth and nose right so you have to know how to get through and do the work while it's constantly being interrupted like yeah. cyclically yeah it's wild. While you're like in 50 degree water, so you're yeah. like so cold. Have you always been into health and fitness? Um, so that's the funny thing where uh, I grew up in, uh, I would say I went to high school like uh, late 90s, early 2000s in San Gabriel Valley. And that area, like the 626 area, it was kind of like the Asian Compton where it's not really reported on the news, but there's a ton of Asian gangs and there's a ton of like beef with Asian gangs and Hispanic gangs because it's like 50-50, like 50%. And there's like shootouts and stuff all the time. So that was kind of like the environment I grew up in. So um, our hangout activity was ta- taught to us or passed down by all of my friends' older brothers. And they're the guys that came out of jail. Right. So when we, we would just meet up at the garage and lifting was our way of passing time. Yeah. So that's how I got into it was just like benching. 
like literally benching and curling every day. Right. Because that's what they do in jail at the time, right? Yeah. So we do that. That's how I got into lifting. And then I would like go to 7-Eleven and I would start seeing magazines and I'm like, oh wait, that's what these guys are doing. So slowly from like the prison lifting style, I started learning about bodybuilding and then body splits and what you're supposed to do and then nutrition. And that's what really got me more into like the diet and nutrition stuff where it started off with like a prison hobby that turned into like health and wellness. Right. And it was like an accidental prison hobby just passed down from your friend's older brothers. Yeah. Like if it were, I don't know, something else like we played basketball or whatever, that would have been the thing. Right. But it was, everyone just came to the garage and lifted weights. That's awesome. Yeah. That's really awesome. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. I got really thin riding bicycles and like 60 pounds lighter than I am now. Wow. I got into a crash. I tore my meniscus. Like I had some problems. And I also had a wife who was like, you can't ride your bike eight hours a day. It's not sustainable. You have to like go get a job and do normal stuff. And I found like, oh, I can still go to the gym and lift weights for an hour and have this feeling that I get from riding bikes Mm, all day. Yeah. But it took me years to like figure out um, progressive overload. Like it was years before I – ever thought about like, oh, I'm not just, I'm just going in and putting on plates until that's what I feel comfortable lifting. And you know what I mean? I wasn't yeah. thinking about, and then I would often just do the same workouts every single day yeah. until I couldn't do anything with my chest. And then it would be like, okay, I guess I have to do something with my legs like that. There was no like real programming, nothing. Yeah. The information uh, sucked so bad back then. Yeah. Cause then like, so I didn't even know what steroids were. And I would just see Ronnie Coleman or like Jay Cutler. And I'm like, all right, cool. I just got to eat more. One day I'll be like 300 pounds. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just pounding food. I'm going to in and out getting like three, four, four by fours. And I'm like, I'm just not growing at this rate that they're yeah. growing at. And then later on, I think after the internet and after me understanding fitness YouTube, and I became friends with Mark Bell. That's when I started to understand, oh, so there's this thing called steroids. I thought everyone was natural. Right. I didn't really know what steroids were. Right. And then I'm like, oh, so there's things called steroids. And then there's steroids that make you big. And then there's the stuff that Lance Armstrong takes that makes you like have really good endurance. And there's like all different types of things. Like all that stuff was new to me. Yeah. But now I feel like the 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 new lifter that comes on board, they already know what proper programming is. They know all this stuff like nutrition. Yeah. It's way different. It took me like 10, 15 years to learn all this stuff. Yeah, the difference between going to the gym today and when I first started lifting weights, half the people I see with notebooks writing everything down, how many reps, how many sets, like they, they, that just didn't exist for me when I first started going. Like I didn't, like the idea of keeping track of what I was doing had had no place in lifting weights at all. Yeah, the 24 hour that I went to, if, People saw you squatting or even deadlifting. Like personal trainers would come up to you and go, hey, this is bad for your back. Right. Like I recommend that machine or maybe doing lunges. And that was just like how behind the information was. Yeah. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. I had a personal trainer who didn't like any form of rows. He just said rows are really bad for your back. Bent over rows or anything like that. And I've been doing rows for a long time. I've never had back problems. In fact, I've had less back problems, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. I did I did tear my meniscus, and I do feel like I have really weak squats. 
but you know, you just train around whatever your body. Yeah, yeah. I, I do. I do what I can. I wish my legs were bigger, but I think I, that that's not unusual. Yeah, you know, unless you unless you have gigantic legs. Yeah, especially if you have like all kinds of like knee injuries and stuff. Yeah, like my wife, she tore her meniscus because she played uh, high school and college volleyball. Yeah, so um, she got surgery. But after the surgery, now she's fine and she's just – and then she had a kid and all that stuff. So she just started um, squatting again. Yeah. And it's actually good now. But Your it took Your wife a while. is into lifting weights too? So when I first started powerlifting, um, she was super into it too. Like I competed and she started competing. And I think like – Was she your wife then? No. Okay. She was my girlfriend. But we, I think we always knew we were going to yeah. get married. And I think she just got into it because how intense and serious I was – and then I think she got burnt out for a while. Yeah. Because she was like, wait, you want to do another powerlifting meet and another one? Like, all you talk about is this stuff. <laughs> right. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm like a meathead. You know, this is like, you know, I, like like when I meet up with people that someone else that lifts weights, I can't wait to talk about like working out and fitness. Yeah. She's like, you're so boring. And I'm like, I don't know. That's what I like. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. But now she's like getting back into it because I think, I think everyone knows at the back of their mind that they have to work out. And people, they, they're just like, oh, how much longer can I put it off? And I think for her, she was like, I'm not going to put it off anymore. Like, I want to be really active for my kid and all that stuff. So. Yeah. It is a really bizarre thing that I found that happens if I take any time off, start – like, uh, now my workouts are all at home. And I cannot wait to get back to the room because I hate working out at home. Yeah. I don't know. It's just miserable. I don't have anything really heavy. So I have to do like 10 times the reps and it yeah. takes a lot longer and it's, and I'm doing it all so much slower. Anyway, I'm not trying to cry you a sob story. Gyms <laughs> are open. Yeah. But like any time off, any real time off, starting again is so hard. It is. And then, you and suddenly having muscle soreness again is so weird um but then once you get into it it's just it's something that it's hard to then also take time off like you can't, I can't it's so weird and it's counterintuitive but both things like when you're doing it taking time off becomes this thing you can't really think through like days off of the gym what i, I especially I, if you're addicted to it yeah like there'll be times where we're planning our family vacations and we're going to Hawaii and it's a beautiful place, one of my favorite places in the world. But like as I'm there, I just keep thinking, I can't believe I'm not training for five days. Yeah. That's all I'm thinking. Like from morning till night. I'm like, I can't believe I'm just gonna take five days off like this, or six days off, or seven days off like this. And it's just it's just so weird that there's like this bug inside your mind that's telling you. Yeah. It yeah. really is. Do you find yourself doing like push-ups and squats on on days like that or anything? Or you just are able to take the time off? I try to go, this is a good time for not only your body to deload, but also your mind. Um, I try to do that. If I do have like some sort of like competition, then I'll try to squeeze in. Like I'll wake up extra early and find a local gym that's like 4 or 5 a.m. Yeah. And try to bust out like a one or two hour session real quick. And then that usually makes me feel really good. Like yeah. I'll come back. Hey, I'm ready, ready to go to the, the beach. Yeah. I'm ready to do whatever. Yeah. Yeah. The last few trips I've been on, I think I was in New York two or three times early this year. And I I just made sure I was at some gym. You know, it's easy to find. But but there can be like 
going to Europe, I, I would be completely lost as to how to find a gym in Europe. Oh, right. But like most of America, you can find something. Yeah, yeah. And depending on the gyms, there's like, or country, there's like different gym culture and stuff. Yeah. So in Japan, because they have like the Yakuza. Right. Like any tattoos is a no-go. Right. So I was calling in and I'm like, oh, okay, like I, I found a Reebok gym. And I'm like, they're used to CrossFitters. A bunch of CrossFitters have tattoos. Yeah. And I called in. I'm like, hey, I have tattoos. Is it okay if I come in? They're like, oh, I'm so sorry. You can't. Like unless you wear a long sleeve. Right. I'm like, oh, damn. Even like Reebok Japan's like this. That's, That's crazy. gnarly. Yeah. So I'm like, I guess I'm not working out in Japan. <laughs> right. And you can I mean, you. And it's not even like Japanese style. Right. But that's just how ingrained it is in their culture. Yeah. Have you ever seen their subways, like how packed it gets? Yeah. So like each car, it's slammed in there, right? Like human sardines. Um, We were going through a city and I was in this middle car holding on to uh, like the handrail. And my door opens up and you just see a pile of Japanese people count. Like it's almost like uh, like World War Z, you know, like where they're trying to like just slam themselves into the – because the – because they don't wait for anybody because yeah. people have to get to work. And people start running. And the minute they see my tattoo, they just make a hard left or a hard right. And really? it's so my, my car just stayed empty the whole time. That's kind of awesome. It's kind of awesome. And yeah. I'm just like, damn, that's crazy. Right. Yeah. Did you have any trouble with like authorities or anything like that? Or just it was just culturally people looked at it more scared? Yeah. It was just culturally people looked at it. It was scared. And then um, we went to like – and it's the more city it is the more scared they are. Right. I went to, I think, Kyoto, which is like more countryside. And there's a bathhouse there. And then uh, the guy, he saw the tattoos. And I'm like, I really want to go to bathhouse because me and my friends are all going to go. And he goes, one way that people go around it is they just put a bunch of Band-Aids all over. So, <laughs> so I'm like, all right. So I bought Band-Aids and I try to cover my entire arm. And I'm like, is this okay? He just started laughing because I, I think he could tell that I was really trying to get in. Right. And he was like, let me tell you this. Um, the, ru- the, the rush comes in at six. You and your friends just go in at five. Right. And then no one's going to complain. No one's going to freak out. Yeah. I'm like, all right, cool. But you show up at the rush <laughs> with a bunch of little band-aids. I had band-aids all over. It was hilarious. That's awesome. Yeah. That's I was, I was awesome. just trying to get in. Yeah. Wow, I didn't even think of that. Tattoos in Japan. Yeah. Yeah. That would be super tricky. Yeah. I, I've been reading a lot about um, gyms. I don't know why in Bucharest because a lot of movies shoot in Bucharest. So I've had that? The, like Eastern Europe. Okay. And they're just like super into gyms there. I mean, I don't know if that's true, but like I've been somehow reading about like, oh, if I have to go to Bucharest. No, not Bucharest. Uh it's another thing. Um, I'm forgetting. It sounds like Bucharest, but it's not Bucharest. Some other Eastern European city that's got like a, that a lot of movies shoot in that I was talking to somebody about possibly having to go to work in. And I was like, okay, that's cool. But like France, I've never seen a gym in France. I don't even know if they have gyms to yeah, lift weights in France. That's true. Yeah. I have no idea. The, the guy that has it right, I think, is The Rock. Yeah. Where he just he travels with his gym. That's yeah. insane. And his gym is awesome. It is. Yeah. And you see videos of him and he's all alone, like not waiting for any machines. It's so envious. Yeah. it's. I think he, it's literally like a barbell brigade that's packable. Yeah. And he just throws it up anywhere. Yeah. That's insane. Sticks it in his trailer. Um, I read that every movie set that goes with him 
That's what I read too. He gets in his contract time to lift every day. That's the way to do it, man. We got to get on that, on that level. That's so, that's so awesome. Yeah. (laughs) He's figured it out. I think, um, I heard that Will Smith had that. I don't know if he works out anymore, but I heard he had a mobile gym that went with him too. Uh, and I know on TV shows, like I believe, uh, the dudes that do the SEAL Team TV show have a gym that travels with them, so it's on their base camp for mm. for one of the trailers as a gym. Yeah, I think when you're like that famous, it makes sense because you can't really risk going to a gym and then bombarded with people, and yeah. now you miss your workout. Might even a hard time leaving that place because everyone wants to talk to you or take yeah. a picture. Yeah, could you imagine The Rock at like Gold's in Hollywood? It would not be good. Oh, that'd be crazy. That'd yeah. be insane. Yeah, it would not be good. I mean, I would enjoy seeing him there. I would yeah. leave him alone, but I would probably watch him work out all day. Yeah, but I would. It's, there's the side of me where I'm like, oh, I want a picture so bad. Yeah. And then there's another side of me where I'm like, I also get that too. So I'm like, oh, but he also doesn't want to take a picture. Yeah. But when am I going to see him again? Yeah. Yeah. That said, I think that's true for like an Equinox or a Golds or a 24 hour fitness. But th- I, I go back to like my experience at your gym. It's super chill. And there super are, chill, yeah. there are some smaller gyms in LA where people are just there to work out. And, you know, I think that that's part of these big gyms. Certainly what I've found with like Equinox and Crunch when I've worked out there with buddies, half of it's social. Like half yeah. the people are there just to like talk to girls or something. And I'm like, what? I'm here to work out. You guys want to talk to girls, go to a nightclub. What are we doing at the gym? You know? Yeah. But there are serious gyms. I think that's CrossFit's good for that too. You know, there's the people, the times that I've been, people seem to be fairly serious about what they're doing. You know, they're there to work out. Yeah. I almost call barbell brigade and like gyms like that, almost like a next level facility. I almost see it like that's the graduate school of lifting. Yeah. Cause people are so like into their own fitness. They'll, they'll lift weights. And if they see Michael Jordan come in, they're like, mm, do I want to take a picture or do I want to finish my program? Right. And then because they're so serious, they'll finish their program. And then maybe afterwards they might go and take a picture. Yeah. Cause I have a buddy that actually trains a bunch of like NBA and NFL guys. And whenever he's in LA, he brings all those guys over to barbell too. Yeah. And then, so all my staff, are like, Oh my God, you know, but no one bothers no them. No one bothers yeah, them. Yeah, because they, they, they understand and they get it. So that's yeah. really cool. Yeah, I think about the very few in America powerlifting gyms I've been to. It's just a different vibe. It's not – nobody is there for social reasons. They're there to do work. Yeah. You know? And, and there are certainly – those exist, I think. But when you get into like the bigger – corporate gyms there is a very you know that have like a juice bar and and a little sitting area for people who are like i don't know whatever they do in hollywood while they're at the gym like (laughs) make phone calls you know yeah yeah look at instagram or something yeah the demographics way different yeah right yeah 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 i mean we were thinking about if we were to add to the gym what it would be and it's a I, juice bar. No, it'd actually area. be a barbershop. Right. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, we're thinking like, because like that's kind of like uh, the one thing that like a lot of our other friends used to make fun of our group about was we all lifted weights and also had nice haircuts. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we're like, oh, that's true. That might be a really cool thing where you could just work out and then get a nice haircut. Yeah. You know. 
Yeah. That, and it matches that, our branding, like having like a barber chair and like, because it's kind of like hardcore industrial looking. It's also something I could totally see like needing to get done and not working into my time. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like I, going somewhere else. I always have time to go to the gym. I figure that out. But yeah. I'll I'll often have a situation where my wife tells me every day for like a month, you better go get a haircut. Yeah. And it's like, wh- when do I figure out getting a haircut? But if it was at the gym, I would do it. Yeah. You know? That's really just, smart. You just schedule it in. Yeah. I just, you know, it would be part of leaving. Um, how did you get into YouTube? Okay. So the YouTube, that's a... Uh... That's pretty interesting too. So uh, I messed up a lot in high school and pretty much my entire academic career, I always got in trouble and stuff. And I went to three high schools and then um, I actually spent five years in high school because I was just messing around too much. And senior year, and I'm I'm the only child, senior year, I was like, man, um, I got kicked out of so many schools and my parents couldn't go to eighth grade promotion. And I'm the only child. I'm like, my parents must feel like they raised like the worst kid in the world, you know? And I just felt so bad. So I'm like, what can I do to kind of get some discipline and make myself better? And at least have some sort of graduate, I couldn't even go to graduation. Some sort of graduation my parents can go to and go, okay, my kid's not a complete fuck up. So I went to uh, the different recruiting stations. And this is when I found out like the Marine Corps was the one for me. I went in and I'm like, hello, anyone here? And the Marine recruiter he was sleeping underneath the desk. Oh my he God. gets up and he's like, oh shit, you're here to sign for the Marine Corps? And he had a sleeping bag. I'm like, I think this is it. Because right. <laughs> everyone else was like trying to sell me like a uh, like a used car salesman. Oh, you want to see the world? And they're trying to sell this big dream. And I'm like, man, this guy seems so sleazy. Yeah. And this guy is like just so raw. <laughs> I like <this. laughs> I'm like, I like this guy. Yeah. And, and this, before then, I didn't really know what the SEALs were or Rangers or any of the other special ops were. I just knew like very basic like these are the military branches i think having gone backwards i might have tried to see if i could become a ranger right i think seals are just that's just too crazy for me crazy um yeah so i I joined the marine corps i I did the reserve thing so i could still finish college and um or or what was the question again how how do you do youtube okay so i went to college and in college i thought i was gonna do the whole pre-med thing and the summer before we transferred from community college to um, university, me and my one of my best friends at the time, he he made this video of him drawing like eyeballs on the bottom of his chin, and he would film it like this, and he would talk and he would talk about how like what a sad day he had because his dog died, and he sent it to me, and I thought it was the funniest thing in the world, and then so I put on this weird looking hat. And I put contact solution in my eyes and I was crying. And I made up the story about how like someone robbed me at the gas station. I sent it to him because we thought YouTube was like kind of like a photo bucket or like a MySpace. Right. Like you just create stuff and you send it to your friends, not knowing that there's an audience. Yeah. I sent that to him. Both of our videos kind of went viral. And they're like, you guys should team up. And then so we're like, okay, we didn't have anything to do that summer. So we started making sketches. And then as we started doing sketches, I started taking a couple of acting and film classes in uh, college now. And so when we graduated, I think we were like, I think we can do some, like, make more sketch comedy. And then we kind of, like, wanted to be almost like the Asian version of Dave Chappelle or Cam Peel. Yeah. Because there wasn't anyone telling, like, those Asian stories in sketch form. And so that's how uh, we ended up being on YouTube. That's awesome. Yeah. It is wild that that 
today, like we're having this conversation right now that doesn't require some giant corporation yeah. to okay us, yeah. to to make sure we say everything we're supposed to say. Yeah. Like that doesn't exist. But also with like stuff that people watch, I know my youngest kids or my youngest kid for sure watches far more YouTube than she does network television. Yeah. I, I mean, we don't even have cable. So whatever she's watching on television, the majority of it, what she's watching on television is coming from YouTube, YouTube. too. It's, yeah. it's, it's amazing that, that you can just do that now, you know? Yeah. And it's crazy. Like, uh, so my kid watches this Ryan's world and you can tell like, the the cam op is probably like his uncle or something right <laughs> and but it has like hundreds and millions of views and you're just like wow this is so crazy you know there's like almost zero lighting zero cinematography they're just shooting their own little family like interaction and it gets millions and millions of views yeah don't go anywhere we'll be right back there's such stark perspectives on that's being fed to us through the corporate world, you know, that it, it feels very marketed and that's fine. People are trying to sell stuff, but they're also trying to sell these kind of um, viewpoints that are completely at odds. And I, and, and it, and it feels very much like whatever problem exists is being stoked. You know what mm, I mean? Like yeah. in America, and then you go on YouTube and there's just tons of human beings who are like, here's my idea. Yeah. You know what I mean? Can I make you laugh? Can I make you cry? And I just think it's so great. And when like somebody – when some podcasts have – this is not one of them, but there are some podcasts that have larger audiences than Fox and CNN and their biggest people – I think that's so great that just people are able to communicate. You know? Yeah, I think that's uh, one of the reasons how a bunch of Asian Americans actually got really big on YouTube because there just weren't that many roles. Right. You know, like back in the day, you might have like Bobby Lee or you might have like a couple of like the Asian guys coming in from overseas, but there weren't really really any like homegrown Asian American people that you saw on media. Yeah, And then you have like all these Asian kids that, knew how to use a camera and computer and what you thought were stereotypical roles like liquor store owner, dry cleaner owner or whatever, all of a sudden you just see like a ram regular 17-year-old high school Asian kid that likes the same food everyone likes, likes doing the same things everyone likes, has the same humor. And they're like, oh, cool. Like you, they're just human beings. Yeah. And that's what I loved about YouTube. Like across the board, across like nationalities, ethnicities, backgrounds, you just see a bunch of human beings making content. And it's really cool. Right. And 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 it's this – I think it's very refreshing too because it doesn't – largely from what I've seen, and I'm sure all kinds of crazy shit exists on YouTube also. Yeah. It's just not what, what I look for. But it's largely just like – this Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. 
That's BlueNile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Kind of refreshingly normal, you know what I mean? Whereas everything that I feel from uh the corporations have such a point of view that feels forced almost yeah i don't know it's pretty cool when i first started youtube um i was also doing a little bit of auditioning too because i was just trying to like get my feet wet everywhere yeah and i remember there's uh this role for like a north korean soldier extra right and um i think the casting um agent was just talking to me over the phone and then he was like, okay, I just got to make sure I get your uniform size. And then I was like, oh, I'm 5'9", uh, 195 pounds. And he was like, wait, what? That's impossible for a North Korean soldier. You're not going to fit the role. And then he was like, we need people that are like between 120 to like 150 tops. And in my, in my mind, it just, it just blew my mind because I'm like, wait, all of my Asian friends are jacked. Right. But it's just the public hasn't seen it yet. Yeah. So it just seemed so like so crazy to them, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, we have to… Uh, have to com- perpetuate the idea that North Koreans are malnourished and right, tiny. Right, right. You know what I yeah. mean? Like that's just what I. I tell have- you, see their leaked training footage and doing somersaults and stuff, and they're shooting. <laughs> right. I'm like, oh, these guys are crazy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I know it is wild. Um, yeah, and then your whole community, as you said, you grew up powerlifting and lifting yeah. weights. Yeah, so you're all big dudes. Yeah. Right. Like I, I, when when I saw comments, like that's one of the reasons why I even opened a fitness channel because we did mainly sketch comedy, and then from there we had this, we created this thing called Just Kidding News, and it was kind of like a comedy roundtable, almost like a politically incorrect view. Yeah, and we just talk about like stupid news, and we just have a good time, and people would comment, "Oh man, Bart, what's your workout routine? Oh, look at that guy, he's so jacked." And to me, I'm like, I'm not jacked because to me, like two hundred, two fifty plus. Those guys are jacked. I right. feel like I'm average. I'm kind of like in the middle, you know, like even in a powerlifting weight class, like I'm, I'm 181, 198. That's like literally right in the middle. Yeah. And, um, but there was enough demand where I'm like, I guess people want to follow a workout plan. So I started doing it. Yeah. But I didn't feel like special at all. Cause all the Asian guys that I worked out with, they're all like big, you know? Yeah. Do you, do, do you ever worry with powerlifting that you'll get, too big because I, because I like I think you look great. Oh, thank you. But there is <laughs> there is the other side of powerlifting where suddenly the gut plays a big part in it. I think so. I actually tried it. Did you? Yeah. So my normal, uh, my most competitive weight class is one eighty one, one ninety eight, 
And if I'm like doing more cardio intensive stuff, like if I'm doing more boxing or kickboxing, I usually try to do the 181. Um, and if I want to get a little bit stronger, like most of my PRs are close to when I was 200. Right. And um, I don't think I'm ever going to take steroids, but uh, there was this one year where I was like, I'm just going to eat my face off and see what happens. So literally the day after I competed at 181, I started eating pretty much 3,000 calories every single meal. Every single meal? Yeah, every single meal. And I, I, in three months, I went from 181. I'll show you pictures later. I went from 181 to 230. Wow. And I was like every week, I was slapping on 10, 20 pounds. And it was just moving. Right. It was crazy. Like I started, uh, I was doing 315, five sets of three. And the next week would be 325, 335. And it was, it was just like a linear progression. And when I was doing that, I'm like, okay, I could see why some of these powerlifters, they're just like, I don't even care how I look. Yeah. I'm just going to pound food and be this big ball of strength. Yeah. But um, my cardio, my cardio is already bad. And then I would tie like one shoelace and I would need to take a break before I could tie the other one. <laughs> I need to come back down. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was getting too big. Dude, I haven't done. So my progression was. I got to around 200 pounds and I was way too small. I felt uncomfortably small. Yeah. And then somewhere around there, I mean, I was probably like 210, 215, somewhere around there. I, I was also like not working the way I wanted to. And I was like, well, I'm just going to gain weight, but I'm going to keep going to the gym. So for a couple of years, I lifted weights every day with no plan and I ate whatever I wanted. I just didn't regulate myself. So I mean, you say 3000 calories a meal, that to me sounds insane because 3000 calories a day sounds a little bit even too much for me right now. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. I mean, that's incredible. Yeah. But I got to almost 400 pounds. Oh, dang. Just lifting weights and eating and then had a very similar thing where I was just like unhappy at this size. So I'm now at 260, probably going to like 250 and we'll see what I look like at 250. But I'm looking forward to like a, a scientifically based massing cycle oh, yeah, where yeah, I'm yeah. like eating more on purpose and lifting heavier on purpose. And like, what will that be like? I cannot wait. I'm That's so what those excited. RP guys are good at. Yeah. Really good. Yeah. So when I was eating the 3000 calories, I probably ate McDonald's maybe like six to seven times a week. Right. And my go-to was the two cheeseburgers, a fish fillet, a 10 piece chicken nugget, a McFlurry, apple pie. And I think I had one more thing. Either like a quarter pounder with uh, Mac sauce because you can get that separate (laughs) (laughs) or a chicken sandwich and then a large Coke. Right. And like I think also what I was trying to do, I was just trying to – like I was dieting so hard that I'm like I just want to go through a phase where I literally eat everything. Yeah. And if I go to a restaurant like a Peruvian restaurant and I can't make up my mind, I'll just order both things. I'm like fuck it. Yeah. And – it was really, really fun, but I just got way too big. Yeah. 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 I, I don't know what my plan – I haven't even started to think about it because I've not gotten to my cutting goal yet. But, yeah. like, I don't know what – if I'll be too scared, like, if gaining 10 pounds will be, like, that's it. That's my massing. But I, I feel like I could gain 10 pounds in a week. So I don't yeah, know yeah, if yeah. that's going to be – I don't know. I'm, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Do you, does your weight fluctuate for like the roles you go out for now or no? 
I, I'm not letting it. I'm, oh, okay. I'm, I'm making plans and sticking to my plans. Like I just, I just during quarantine was on a maintenance plan. Yeah. And so I had like three or four pounds on either side of my weight that yeah. I was allowing to be just because like water retention can mm-hmm. have that. Yeah. Um, and now I'm cutting. So I'm going to cut to around 250 and see what I look like. And then I'll have a massing cycle. Um, but I, I like, don't know if, I don't know what that means really, because I don't imagine that I'll be able to put on more than a pound or two of muscle and how many yeah. pounds of fat am I going to be willing to gain? While I don't know. Gaining the muscle. Yeah. I could freak out. I could gain 10 pounds and be like, that's too much. I'm done. Yeah. I'm done massing. Yeah. You yeah. know, how did you get into like fitness? I, let's see. I was a picture that was floating around. Yeah. It was Where from I was you gigantic. and Remember the Titans, right? Yeah. And then you just looked all jacked. Yeah. That was that was an amazing inspirational like Crazy. transformation meme, yeah. I it was a uh, Remember the Titans was like 98 or 99 and then I didn't actually start dieting until 2001. 2001? No, 2002. And at first it was just diet. So I just dieted for a long time and lost a bunch of weight and then started working out. But I had like, I would, I did like a very extreme diet and lost a bunch of weight and then, uh, gained some back. Cause after that diet, I didn't have a plan. Oh. So it took me a long time. I didn't really find, um, how heavy were you in remember the Titans? I think probably close to 500 pounds. Oh my God. Goodness. Yeah, I was really heavy. Wow. But I, 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 the the last movie I did before starting to diet was a movie called The First Twenty Million is Always the Hardest. Unfortunately, not a very good movie. But uh, I was like five forty in that. God damn, yeah. that's crazy! I was really big. Do you have like shirts of every size at home? No. I should have. I think I might have one pair of pants for back then. And maybe I'll do one of those pictures where I'm like standing in one leg of those pants. Yeah. I should. I should do that. 540. 540. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. So if I get to, I, I mean, I, I lost at, at my most, uh, 340 pounds. Damn, that's, that's crazy. So good. That's so good. Yeah. But then, you know, in between, over those 18 years, I gained and lost and gained and lost. Um, I never found, I guess for a while I was like, I could do keto forever. Yeah. I thought that. But I I was struggling in the gym. And when I added carbs and went low fat, I just suddenly felt much better in the gym and actually started looking more the way I wanted to look. Like I yeah. was retaining muscle better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. That's one thing I, I recommend, like everyone to see a dietitian or nutritionist. Yeah, because like even in Twenty Three and Me, they'll tell you if your body likes uh, to get its energy from fats or carbs or whatever. So although like keto works for a lot of people, I I think there's a specific diet that works for every individual person, yeah. and it's hard to go this one diet is better than the other ones, you know? Yeah, but it's but largely they're sold on this is the way the human body like. Keto, I bought into keto going like, oh, no, people just can't process complex carbohydrates. Like, people should only be eating this, you know. And I actually believed that for a long time. Yeah. It was when 
I was losing weight and going like, but I'm not, I'm losing and I'm, I can't lift as heavy. Yeah. And I was aware of that. And I actually had to like look at the science around lifting weights and around holding on to like the, the people to look at for retaining muscle while dieting are bodybuilders. That's yeah. what they do. Yeah. They build up their muscle and then they slowly lose the fat without affecting their muscle. You know what And I most mean? of those guys do low fat, higher carbs. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's like, that's the bodybuilder thing. And not that I want to be a bodybuilder, but I want to be a big guy. Uh, but lean. But lean. You know, yeah, that's yeah. all. And there's just really, uh, I found that's the most efficient way to do it. Yeah. And there's also like the hundreds of years of human evolution that I think these blanket statements don't consider. Because yeah. I have a buddy, he's a uh, a diet coach, and he noticed that all his Asian clients are um, less affected by carbs. Right. So I think we've just been eating rice for such a long time yeah. that like kind of on the same token where, you know, there's a lot of Asians when they drink alcohol and they get like the Asian glow yeah. that a lot of like Western are – they don't because they've been drinking like beer or ale at every single meal. Right. So they have they're, they're able to metabolize it. So I just think like there's the different guts from different people and you got to just like figure it out. My goals don't have to be everybody's goals. Yeah. Like, you know, um, if you just want to lose 10 pounds and you don't care if it's muscle or fat or water or whatever, there's a way to like just dehydrate 10 pounds. You could probably do it in a few days. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, that's yeah. possible. I don't know that I think that that, like, I wouldn't suggest that, but like, you got to really figure out what you want to do. And then like, whatever, there can be a bunch of evidence that would suggest that whatever your goal is, there's a, a very efficient way to do that. But then like human perspective plays a role in it too. And it's yeah. like, what are your preferences? What, you know, my wife uh, doesn't eat fat like she doesn't digest it well she never eats fatty meat meanwhile does she have like diarrhea right after not diarrhea and she's <laughs> gonna hate this conversation but she gets indigestion oh okay it just doesn't sit well with her like and uh i mean we've even had to do something crazy where uh when when she has her her monthly menstrual cycle she takes um uh because she just doesn't eat red meat and she needs iron so she takes like uh the hell is it called organ meat that are in capsules mm, i see to get iron yeah and uh and even that sometimes gives her indigestion oh, no, so she just doesn't like so keto is just not gonna work for her yeah you know what i mean yeah. even if we figured out what wh whatever she wanted to do and keto proved to be the most optimum she's just not gonna enjoy doing that and yeah. i think that that could be every diet you know what i mean yeah uh okay i have an actor buddy who who got in really good shape. He's from Pakistan and he, he loves rice so much that he had to cut it out of his diet though. He eats carbs, but he loves rice so much that he, it's just like a gateway for him. If yeah. he has rice, he's just going to sit and eat way too much rice. Oh, yeah. So he's had to excise that out of his diet completely. Yeah. And I've been tempted a number of times to like, say like, you know, when, when all hell broke loose and everybody was like hoarding toilet paper, I noticed there was no rice in a lot of grocery stores. Right. And I went to like an Asian market and I was like, oh shit, they got the 20 bag, 20, 20 pound, pound bags yeah, of yeah, rice. Yeah. And I was going to call this dude and I realized like, no, he doesn't even, you know, he, that's a bad thing to tell him basically. Meanwhile, yeah. I'm, 
I've been lifting rice in my house because, <laughs> yeah. because it's 20 pound weights. You yeah. Know? I love rice so much. Yeah. And I love pasta too. That's, yeah. that's one of the hardest parts. I've tried keto before and that was one of the most difficult things. Like for me, um, I've done macro coaching long enough to know how to adjust my calories. Yeah. So it helps me to have kind of like a more balanced way of looking at it where if one day I do want to just go ham on, pa- on some pasta, the next two days I'll have like maybe car- all carbless meals and right. it gives me the ability to balance what I want to eat and the lifestyle I want to live yeah. versus just having like a strict, this food group is gone. Yeah. That's kind of tough for me. Tough. Yeah. I, like, I like all of them. I had had not had carbs for so long that when I started eating them again, I was really scared that I was going to love it so much that I just overdid it. Yeah. But a cup of rice is filling. So when I when my meal calls for a cup of rice, I'm never eating three cups of rice because I can't stop myself. And I also found that without fat, like pasta without butter or olive oil, it's not as good. It's not as good. No. And rice too, <laughs> like rice without any fat is yeah. also like it's good. I like it. Yeah. I'm happy with what I'm eating. But it's not something that I want to sit down and eat for two hours. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's it's just I think you know a McDonald's cheeseburger or a quarter pounder with cheese and mac sauce that I would over that would start hitting senses yeah. in me where I'm like, okay, I could just crush three hundred of these. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. What yeah. I mean? yeah. It's got the fat and the carbs. I don't know, but that's just me. I'm not saying that has to be everyone, but I agree. It's just whatever whatever works. Yeah, one of the things I started doing to kind of uh like curb that appetite is I'll always drink like if I go to a restaurant, I'll always drink a glass of water first. Yeah. And I order a side of veggies because it has all that fiber. Yeah. And I eat that first. And then that usually makes me like half full. Yeah. And then that way I'm not as indulgent. So if I do get pasta, maybe I'll eat half of it or something. Versus if I just try to get full off of what I like. Right. I just go way over. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Because what I would like is pasta with a bunch of fat, like covered in butter and Parmesan cheese. Yeah. And that I could eat a lot of. That sounds awesome. <laughs> but like with some of your recipes, I I will add a ton of the cabbage. Because cabbage, that's not a lot of calories. No, it's not. Yeah. It's, and it's full of fiber and it actually tastes good. Yeah. You know? And uh, I've been doing a lot of uh, broccoli slaw lately. Oh, where cool. It's just like shredded broccoli stalks, I think. Ton- just tons wow. of fiber. Yeah. And that's it's cool. almost like a pasta. Not really, yeah. But you can trick yourself into believing it. Yeah, yeah. You know, I bought one of those, um, like weird uh, carb-free pastas at the supermarket. Yeah. And when you bite into it, it just feels like you're eating like a bunch of stir-fried rubber bands. Yeah. I'm like, oh, it's not. The they same. like kind of pop. Yeah, they pop. Bit, right. Yeah. yeah, it's weird. Yeah, my uh, my oldest kids really love that stuff um the the, the carb-free pasta? carb-free pasta it's wow. like it's like seaweed pasta or yeah, something yeah, like yeah. That. yeah yeah they love it i don't like I'm not they love fan. it they love it i'm always so envious of people that like healthy stuff yeah because i wished that was like my wife she also can't handle too much fats yeah so like if we're at like a restaurant i'm not i'm already just looking at what's like the fattiest thing 
for her, she already knows that she's going to get diarrhea. Right. So she just goes, oh, maybe I'll get the fish or whatever, you know, and like some lemon sauce thing. Yeah. And I'm like, man, if I were you, I'd be ripped yeah. like, every day. I know. Or, just or fish. My, yeah, or my buddies that don't have a sweet tooth because I have an insane sweet tooth. Yeah. I'm like, man, if I had your taste buds, I'd just be like 5% body fat. Yeah, me too. It's, I, 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 I always imagined that um, as a kid, I messed up all my habits so bad and, and like destroyed whatever voice or mechanism tells a normal person to stop eating. I ruined it. I destroyed it. I like smashed it into the ground. So it's not even recognizable Were you anymore. always a big kid? Yeah, I th- I mean, I was born, I was over 10 pounds when I was born. That's a big baby. Yeah, yeah. And then by the time I was five, I had chubby, I was a chubby five-year-old, but I wasn't like obese at five. Yeah. And and then I got put on diets and kind of just rebelled and would sneak food from then on. And yeah. so f- for the entire amount of my childhood, every diet I was put on, I was figuring out how to cheat on the diet, basically. There's and, such sneakable food, too. Oh, like yeah. Like chicken nuggets chicken or like nugget. tater tots. <laughs> yeah. I mean, at 10 years old, I would like scrounge change, order Domino's pizza, meet the pizza guy before he got anywhere near my house. Oh, wow. Crush the pizza in the little like side area of our house, hide the evidence in the neighbor's trash can, and like... It, do all that with and go and like wash brush my teeth so nobody knew that I'd done that. It was right? almost like you're sneaking off to do drugs or something. Yeah, <laughs> literally. Damn, that's crazy. And so the the mechanism that goes like you're full, stop eating. I didn't. I just don't have that. So now it's like I gotta, I, I gotta go like okay, what's a normal meal? I'm gonna eat this and then like really try and be aware of how I feel. And I still don't often have the sensation of being full. Yeah. But I also don't have the sensation of being hungry, like actual hunger where you you start to get lethargic and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I don't have that. So I just think it's you can you can kind of game yourself. Yeah, yeah. One of my favorite speaking of pizza, one of my favorite things is uh, at California Pizza Kitchen. You can get the cauliflower crust. Yeah. I don't know if it's healthy or not, but in my mind, I'm like, right, it's a crust full of vegetables. Yeah. What's wrong with this? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and by the way, for a long time on uh, on keto, I would do cauliflower rice and ca- and broccoli uh, yeah. rice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where you just are like trying to talk yourself into believing that like you're having a delicious bowl of rice. Yeah. But uh, but it's cauliflower. It's veggies. It's stir fry. Yeah. Yeah. How did you get into like acting and stuff? I got into acting. I lived here in L.A. and I I on, had uh, on this side. On we were in Burbank. Oh, okay. But I had a friend at school who would like disappear for weeks at a time because he was an actor. And like the idea that he got to like leave school and not be at school to go and like be on the Wonder Years was like awesome. I thought that was the coolest thing ever. Yeah. And so I was just like, I want to do that. I want to, I want to like go play make believe. And like get out of school. Get Mostly, out. I think it was because I hated school. Yeah, um, that was really it. Just wanting to not be in school anymore. Yeah, there was this one kid in our uh, class in fourth grade. I remember his name is RJ because it was just being able to see your friend on TV is just so insane when you're that age. Yeah, and he was uh, one of the little kids in back in the day when they had all sport commercials with Shaquille O'Neal. So he was one of the kids that was sitting on his lap. Oh, awesome. And so we would see him like just randomly be gone for weeks. Yeah. And then I would see him. I'm like, RJ. 
I saw you on TV. And I think when you're a kid, you don't understand there's like a auditioning process. They shoot and then like post-production. You just think like, you just did that. Yeah, how did you get there? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then it was just so like mind-blowing. Yeah. It, it so is cool. It is pretty wild. And, and, and now, I mean, I did a movie. I've done, I had a movie out earlier this year and one out end of last year and and one of them we shot in like 2016 oh dang is that true no maybe it was 2018 anyway it can take years, years yeah. for shit to come out yeah it's a bizarre business and who knows what it's going to be like like nothing's open now because i think the unions are all still figuring out how to get around it to, to like whatever the policy is going to be you know like um they're saying they're like trying to remove all like love making scenes and like yeah i'm like and what about like action scenes like you can't how are you gonna do a fight everybody's like cgi'd together you know it's gonna be weird there's that and then like uh to set up lights like there's a whole union the grips are are responsible for the stands that the lights go on and then the electricians are responsible for the lights are those two separate unions two separate things oh wow so like the grips can't touch the lights and the electricians can't touch the stands that the light that hold the lights up but it's like requires people to be very close touching similar things yeah. and like i think that they got to work together the last thing i read they're like we got to get rid of one of these groups oh no and like that's not going to go over well that's a whole, that's a whole industry for people that yeah so I don't I don't know what's going to happen with that. It's going to be real interesting to see how you make a movie moving forward. And then, by the way, does that worry you at all being in the movie industry? I think, like best case scenario, we worry about this a lot right now. They figure out some way to get back to work as soon as possible. That's safe for everyone. They get back to work, but then, like, you know, the flu still kills people yeah and we don't stop working so when they're and that's got a vaccine it still kills people so if we get a vaccine for this i think eventually we just go back to the old days or whatever like people are not thinking about it so much you know what i mean yeah i don't know how long that takes if that's like you know because we keep getting conflicting data on when we'll have a vaccine for this so I don't know, but I I hope this becomes a non-issue. You know what I mean? I hope we get to the point where it's it's not wreaking such havoc on, you know, it's not so deadly and it's not such a problem. Yeah, there's a psychological part you have to balance too. Yeah. Because uh, at our gym, we mark um, six feet stations away mm-hmm. from each other. And then we have these blocks where people, they book – um, like a two-hour window, so we can make sure we keep the capacity at 35, yeah. and then we sanitize everything every two hours. And we have the, I guess, the model to do that. I have a buddy that owns a jiu-jitsu school. Yeah, how do they do that? Yeah, and so now they have, they're limited to, I think, four, between four and eight people per class, which isn't that much. But they're rolling? Um, so you get to choose one partner, and you roll with that one partner the whole class. Okay. So in terms of like getting different body types, different skill levels, you're not going to get that out of your class. Right. And having a cap at eight people, which technically only means four partners. Yeah. Like That's four a tiny class. Like four couples of, of, of people rolling. 
I don't know how a lot of these schools are going to like stay afloat. It's just yeah, so tough. I That's where I just go like I think we're going to blink and it's all going to be done. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and I think some radical things have to happen. We need vaccines and like all of this kind of thing has to happen. Um, but like I just go back to the flu. We have a vaccine for the flu. And it comes back every year. Comes back every year. We're not shutting anything down for that. So if we can get to that level with COVID, I hope that we get to the point where it's like we have cut this so far back that, you know, because what are we going to do? Shut down every – I mean, how long can – or we have to just rethink the way we do everything. Everything, you yeah. Know? Especially like uh, the spectator sports, like – basketball, football, where they've, we've built arenas to fill like 40, 50,000 people. Yeah. And now those arenas, I'm sure they still have their mortgage or whatever. And it's, they can't even, they, they still have that cost. Yeah. It's going to be tough. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, I don't know. I don't know what happens. I, I'm, 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 I'm optimistic though. Cause I, you know, even if you think back to, uh, the, the like the H one N one stuff in um, in nineteen eighteen, like there's tons of images of people wearing masks and it decimated the population. It was far worse than what we're dealing with now. And then like there wasn't much of a mention of it a couple years later. Like you know what I mean? Yeah. I think they just figured out their protocols and you know. And then like look at us. I don't remember ever having a period in time in my childhood where there was ever a thing where we wore masks. Yeah. That disappeared. Or even being like quarantined or yeah, anything. Nothing. That was so mind blowing to me. Matter of fact, for me, I'm older than you, but like I, as a kid, infectious disease, I, I, I remember this only with chicken pox, but there were like parties like that kid has chicken pox. We're all partying at their house this weekend. So we can all get it and be done with chicken pox. Oh, right, right, right. You, you know? Yeah. I don't think they do that anymore. No, I don't think so. Like, do they have, a, I think they have a vaccine for it now or something. Yeah. They have a vaccine for it. And I just remember like with my kids, I remember talking to my wife a couple of times about it and going like, wait, when do they get chicken pox? Don't, don't all kids get chicken pox? Yeah. And she was like, no, 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 they don't. We don't do that anymore. That's not a thing. And I was just like, what? Yeah. That was a thing for me and all my friends and my parents, like chicken pox. You get chicken pox. Yeah. I remember being the, the kid that was going through it. And there's three other kids that didn't have it yet. Right. And it was one of those, like our family was traveling with the other family. So I had to be in this one car and um, we were touring this boat that um, was like a big, like, um, like my mom used to work for a logistics company and we got to tour like the big boat that carries the containers. Yeah. So I would be put in one office looking through the window and I could <laughs> see all these kids playing and checking it out. And then once they moved and kind of had their fun and moved into the next room, I get to come out and kind of look at it myself. But then you lose the energy of exploring with your friends. Right. But that was for chicken pox? Yeah. So how old are you? Uh, I'm, I was born in 84. So this year I'll be 36. So that must have been like the tail end of or right before chickenpox vaccines happened, right? Because if the yeah. or maybe they had just happened and you just got it somehow. Cause in the seven in the seventies, I remember chickenpox parties. Like it was yeah. I mean, 
I mean, maybe I'm insane and my perspective is totally no, I, no, insane. No, I think, I think there's probably something like that. Yeah. 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 But now I don't think that's a thing anymore. I don't think kids get chicken box, which is bizarre. Yeah. And then even like uh, I go to like a LA fitness next to my house and I understand they have to do all these protocols, but some of them, um, like you have to, they, they tell us you have to put your face mask on in between each set. Right. So I guess legally that you can't be working out and then pass out with the face mask on. Yeah. But no one's doing it. And then I read, I think in China, like in PE, there's three kids that just dropped dead because they had the face mask on while they're working out. And it was restricting oxygen. Yeah. So it's just a tough thing to balance like everything, you know? Yeah. Like people, they want to get fit, but then there's also the disease they're trying to prevent and they want to follow the laws. And then there's, everyone has a different take on it. Like there's, there's people that I see at the supermarket that are just rebellious. They don't have a face mask. Right. For me, I'm like, well, he doesn't want to have a face mask. But there's other people that are like, oh, my God. Yeah. I need to talk to the manager. Yeah. So everyone has a different perspective on it. It's just tough balancing like everything. It's weird. I don't see it lasting forever. We just got to get through right now. For I, I wear a face mask at the supermarket. Um, I think – I think just because, like, I see a sign that says you have to wear a face yeah, mask. Yeah, in, L- in L.A. at least. If I'm walking up a mountain. Like hiking. Like hiking in a park and there's no other people, I'm not wearing a face mask. I'll have yeah. one around my neck. If a dude is coming down the path, I'll pull it up. But yeah. I'm not going to I'm not gonna wear a face mask walking around outside alone. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or, like, me and a kid who lives with me that – we've already traded as many germs as you could trade. <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. whatever she has, I have. Whatever I have, she has. So if we're taking a dog on a walk around the block, I'm not going to demand that she wear a face mask. If we are going to cross paths with somebody, we'll put one up. Um, but also there's so much data like that something about being outside reduces it. Like, yeah. You know, I don't know. I cannot wait to not have to wear a face mask because walking around a supermarket, I get a little lightheaded and I'm like, I just got to get out of here. And I'm sneaking breaths, you know? Yeah. Or you're talking to someone. Yeah. And it gets sucked in every time you're talking. Yeah. And it's just so like, or sometimes like I'll walk out of my car and I get to the supermarket. I'm like, oh shit, I left it in the car. (laughs) So you got to go back and get, it's just like a, it's not part of our, our lifestyle. Yeah. Because in Asia, they've been doing it since, I don't know, like since I was a kid. It's cultural. Yeah. And they would, my mom would have me slap one on. And also it's just because there's so much pollution because there's so many cars. So you're also trying, you're trying to be considerate and not pass your germs on to people. At the same time, the air quality is just so bad. You don't want to be like smelling muffler smoke all day. Yeah. But even then- it's still not natural for me to, to just wear one. Right. Yeah. Every time I've been to Asia, I've seen people in face masks going back into the 90s. Um, yeah. But but never everyone. Not everyone, yeah. No, it's yeah. always like a dude with a face mask or a gal with a face mask. Um, yeah. And I guess that's just when they're sick, they wear a face mask. I believe as it was explained to me. Because the first time I saw it, I was like, what's happening? Yeah, it's supposed to be not... So that I don't, it's, it's, people think it's to prevent catching something. It's preventing yourself from contaminating someone else. Right. So if you don't feel good, you put a face mask on so that when you go around, like I don't give you the cold or something. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 if I go to the gym, I cannot imagine wearing a face mask while I exercise. I can't. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how that's going to work. I, uh, the first day I was at the gym, 
I thought that was the rule. Yeah. So I was squatting with it on and it was tough. Like yeah. I would like – I had a hard time breathing and you're huffing and puffing. And I'm like looking around. I got to sneak a breath in. So I'll take my T-shirt and put it over my mouth. And then and then I found out uh, you actually don't have to. It was just in between sets. So I'm like, okay, that was cool. Right. So at least I got to breathe during the workout. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I get moving around too. And I think as long as stuff's getting cleaned, I think we're going to be okay. A part of me too is, uh, you know, when you're training your ass off, sometimes like – you don't really give a shit about anything anymore. <laughs> yeah. And then so like you don't One have the more rep. Yeah. So you don't have the best judgment. Yeah. So I was like hitting the bag and I was going hard. I'm like, fuck, I'm so thirsty. And I look at the water fountain and then I'm like, <sighs> should I do it? Fuck it. And I walk up to it. And then good thing it said, uh, due to social distancing, this thing's out of service. Right. I'm like, okay, thank they saved my <laughs> they life. Because <laughs> right. I would have been to like yeah. a, a giant Petri dish full of germs. Yeah. 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 Oh my God. Well, I cannot wait to get back to normal. I really can't. And it feels like we're inching our way to the finish line, you know? Yeah. yeah. Slowly getting there. Yeah. Have you been have you been to a gym yet? No. Not yet? No. Is there a reason what like why you can't go or No. I just am I just am slightly nervous. Oh, I see. You know? Yeah, yeah. I, I think I might be as nervous of uh I'm 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 not really nervous about getting sick. I'm not nervous at all about getting sick. Um what are you nervous about? I don't know. Oh, really? I'm nervous about getting back in there and having no strength. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's what I'm most nervous about. Yeah, you're 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 scared of seeing who you are right now. Yeah, exactly. And I know that once I see who I am, it's going to be like, okay, now we got to go back to work. Even though I'm working out every day. Yeah. You know? a different type of workout yeah because i think a lot of a lot of the dudes that i meet too like especially if them and their wife aren't on the same page yeah a lot of guys i think they're just more risk adverse and there's a lot of wives that i've met that are like really scared yeah so that also limits what they could do yeah yeah my wife goes back and forth you know it's like every day i feel like you can be swept in one direction or the other. Yeah, because we keep getting different info and data all the time. Yeah. And 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 there's like become a political element to it where I'm like, guys, it's not political. Look, at the end of the day, I think that we should all be determining what's right for ourselves. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. uh, every time I get in my car, I put my life at risk, but I also put everybody else's life at risk True. by driving around. I yeah. can I could crash into somebody if I'm being reckless. So there is a bit of responsibility there that I'm required to take on myself. A ton of people die every year in automobile accidents. I am not at all saying COVID is like driving a car. It's a contagious disease and but I determine my level of risk. Yeah. And everybody else that I'm driving around has has gone like we're going to we're going to hope that guy's not drunk or not going to be a jerk and drive into us. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I I don't I don't know that um I don't know. I just can't wait to get back to normal. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. And that's the tough part too where I have friends that are doctors and they have opposing viewpoints. You know, yeah. some people are extremely optimistic. Oh, this is bullshit. 
uh, we're way too overprotective. And then there's people like, you don't know how contagious this is. Oh, we don't even, we don't have even, we don't even know how to examine the data correctly. And it's actually way worse than it is. Yeah. And it's just, yeah, it's just yeah. so tough. There, there was a point where my wife uh, knows some doctors and is friends with them. And one doctor was saying to her repeatedly, you don't understand. There's going to be people dying in the streets. We're going to have triage centers set up in every public park. It's going to be chaos. And he said this to her every once a week for like two months. Next week, by next week, it's going to be chaos. The medical system's going to collapse. Nothing remotely like that happened. Yeah. So I just go like, look, we have to protect the hospitals because I, I understand that I believe the, the average stay in the ICU for the flu is like a day and the average stay in the ICU for COVID is eight days. So if you if you send a bunch of people to the ICU that are going to take up beds for eight days and then you have a new crop and they have nowhere to go, that could be really, really disastrous. Yeah, That didn't happen. We didn't have – I know there were some hospitals full in New York. There were some hospitals not full in New York also. Yeah. I don't think there was a single hospital from what I've read in Los Angeles that was full or like overcrowded or having issues with capacity. Yeah. I think you got to go like I know I have less human contact in Los Angeles than I ever do in New York just walking around just like going from place to place, I come into contact with less people. Yeah, we're just built outwardly instead of on top of each other. Yeah, I think that's got to play a part in it. And again, I'm not a scientist, but like I, we certainly didn't get hit like New York got hit. So I don't think we need to take necessarily the same precautions that New York is taking. I don't think there's a, like a uniform set of precautions that need to be applied. At the end of the day, it's just like, what are you comfortable with? And if the grocery store wants to set a policy that you wear a mask in the grocery store, okay. So if I want to go in there, I wear a mask. If I'm hiking on a mountain and nobody's around, I'm not going to wear a mask. Yeah. You know? Even all the cities in LA, I don't think they need to be uniform because each right. city is different too. Like I live out in the suburbs. Yeah. So like my neighbor is kind of far away. You know, like, our, like there's never a traffic jam at the intersection if I'm – there's, like, maybe two or three people walking their dogs. Yeah. And that's way different than, like, let's say, like, Arts District where it's just packed all the time. Yeah. 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 And there – and, like, I think about New York. Like, if, if COVID hits a building, now it's in that building. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you have thousands of people in the building. We generally – I know there are a lot of apartments in Los Angeles, but mostly it's houses. Yeah. And there's, like – Distance outside to get from one house to the next, which from what I've read is not how COVID's being transmitted. You know what I mean? Like yeah. as far as I've read, the people who are outside aren't getting it at the same rate as people inside who are around people with it. So I don't know. I, I can't, I'm just looking forward to uh, getting back to life. Have yeah. your kids uh, been driving you crazy since they're home more? Oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. There's been a, there's been like uh, the youngest. Uh, Grace. How old are your kids? The oldest is twenty four, then twenty one, fifteen, and thirteen. And the the thirteen year old walks around and says stuff like, 
this is house arrest. You can't, <laughs> you can't do this to me. You have that's no a, right. And I'm hilarious. like, like, it's not us. Yeah. It's the, go talk to the mayor. I don't know. What, what do you want me to do? And yeah. like, she's just distraught at school. She missed half a year or whatever months of school. She probably misses her friends too. Yeah. Misses her friends. And, uh, and then I'm like, let's go walk up in the mountains. And she's like, no, I don't want to. I'm I'm on strike from that too, you know. And I'm like, yeah. I don't know what to do. You That's know? funny. Yeah. How about yours? So I don't. I think he's at the age where he doesn't really register too much. Like he right. doesn't understand time or anything like that. Yeah. Because like uh, like let's say if I go on a trip and I'm gone for three or five days, it's it's. I don't think it hits him like, oh, dad's not home. Yeah. But when he sees me, he's really happy. He goes, oh, papa's home. Yeah. But um, he does ask to go to the park. And for a long period of time, the parks were closed. Yeah. And then we're like, oh, we can't. We're fixing it. And he's like, oh, again? Because <laughs> <laughs> I think in his mind, he's just like, man, they just keep fixing this thing. Yeah. So the one day, and and that I think that was kind of like the school for me. Because, like, I feel like kids, they got wiggles, so they got to get it out. Yeah. So the days that I can take him, like, at 10 a.m. or something, and he's, like, climbing the monkey bars, going down the slide, he's way more peaceful at home because he got his little wiggles out. Yeah. But the days that he can't, he's just launching stuff in the living room. Yeah. And so when we couldn't take him to the park, he was just way more energetic. But then now that we can, it's it's been way better. Yeah. Yeah. But I saw some videos of you guys, like— on an awesome trail in a, like, look like the wilderness with yeah. like a little creek. That's yeah. a good place. Like if the park is closed, we at least have some alternatives close by that we can have kids like go be outside. Yeah. So for uh, the trails just also opened up. Oh, really? Yeah. So I think for ours in the, in our city, the trails were completely closed. Like you would go up to it and it'd be, it'd be taped. Um, and then I think the trails opened up. Maybe like two to three weeks ago, and then the parks opened up. Maybe like one or two weeks right, ago. Right. So th- when the when the hikes and like the trails opened up, that was awesome. Yeah, we got to go, and he's like throwing sticks around. And he gets to play, and he has his own little pair of hiking boots. That's awesome. That gives him like good grip, and he yeah, he yeah. loves it. What kind of boots? Ah, uh, they're called um, Keen, I think. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're the only ones I found at REI that were small enough for him. Right. That's so cute. Yeah. Barquan, thank you so much. I really enjoyed this talk. Thank you so much for having me. It was awesome. I can't wait to work out with you. Hell yeah. All right, brother. And now I'll answer some questions that we received at AmericanGlutton.net. Lawrence writes, my question is about helping to remove your man boobs and the best workout supplements or diet to help with this in your opinion. Thanks for the question, Lawrence. I think, I mean, the, the only thing that pops to my mind is like uh, bench press and, and variations of, of pec exercises. So, um, you know, flat bench, incline bench, decline bench, uh, dumbbells. You could do dumbbells in any of those positions. You could do uh, flies, dumbbell flies, cable flies, uh, push-ups. I don't know about diet or supplements for this. I've I've actually only heard that um, if you take uh, supplements in the wrong way, you can actually increase man boobs. I don't know. I don't really know a lot about that. Um, so I, I think like as far as fat goes, I think we we pretty much it's very hard to do targeted. I, I mean, I actually don't know if it's possible to do targeted fat loss, but if you want to build shape to your chest, those are the exercises I would do and just do that in conjunction with losing 
fat. And, uh, you know, I mean, I look at my boobs and I, I think they're actually, they actually look like giant boobs. I have a pretty big chest. So I, I don't know if that's what you're talking about or getting rid of or making them look less soft. And, and that I would only suggest doing pec exercises with weights. Thank you for the question. If you have a question you'd like me to answer on the podcast, please submit it to AmericanGlutton.net. Thanks for listening to this episode of American Glutton. I'm Ethan Suplee, and as always, joined by my chaperone, Paige Dorian. Follow us on Instagram at American Glutton Podcast. Sincerely. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com a lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.